Hi guys, I'm Ashley. I'm Eve. And I'm Nick. And we're the Money Medics. And we're the hosts of Your Real Money Stories. An original podcast series brought to you in association with Zopa. The podcast will we'll be giving you the unfiltered truth about money through anonymous confessions and unfiltered opinions. As well as providing useful information and resources for each topic we discuss. And we have to say, this isn't financial advice. These are just our views. So hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Your Real Money Stories. So this is a Your Dilemmas episode where we invite exciting and interesting guests to help us answer your money-related dilemmas and also like share their personal experiences and stories. But before we get into it, we're going to introduce ourselves. So obviously I'm Ashley, pharmacist by day, foodie by night, and I love money. I'm Nick. Um, I like to consider myself as the financial well-being expert because my day job as well is to do with financial well-being mm-hmm. and personal finance um, and I love all things business. Mm-hmm. Um, my name is Eve. So they used to call me the landlady but I feel like now I'm the yummy mummy. <laughs> I've given that name to myself. <laughs> but yeah, I'm the mum of the group now. All right, so let's just kind of jump into today's episode. So we're talking about all things property. So buying, renting, government schemes, you name it, we've got it covered. So funny enough, actually, I think, Nick, you were telling me like something about like something that you read about property. What was it? Yeah, it's like it was recently published that um, one of the number one goals for people between 18 to 34 mm-hmm. is buying their first place. And okay. I don't know, for me, when I look at social media, mm. I think the, the classic uh, scene you see on social media is someone waving their keys. keys. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's quite um, an important step in, in people's lives. Mm. So it, it does make sense for us to try and um, I break down and make it as realistic and feasible for, possible, for people to try and make ownership, home ownership more attainable. Mm. So I don't want to talk too much about our introduction, but I want to introduce our special guests. Okay. So they are a property duo that have completely blown on TikTok recently because of all the different things that they've been going through with their property. You you guys have been going through a lot we recently. Went through it. We went we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. So they go by the name of Bricks and Disorder. That's actually a really really cool name. I understand why, but tell us why do you why do you call yourself Bricks and Disorder? Callum can take this one. <laughs> it's fairly simple. Um, yeah. Bricks stands for the house. Yeah. Disorder stands for everything. Us. We are just the least people you'd expect to get a house. We have no organisation skills. Everything we've done has been complete chaos. Okay. Um, and we're trying to stop people. Learn from our mistakes, basically. Yeah. We're trying to make people learn from our mistakes. I freaking love, 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 love your TikTok. I'm learning so much about you guys. I learned so much about what I shouldn't do if I ever want to buy a property in London. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, your journey has been amazing. So I want our audience to get to know you a bit better. So, of mm. course, we've been stalking your Instagram and your TikTok, but maybe other people haven't. So let's talk a bit more about your story. So you guys have both been making headlines recently because of your property journey. Now, the average wage is about in the UK is about £26,000. Mm. And that tends to not really be enough to buy a home. Yet you guys have managed to buy a house in London, of all mm. places. How on earth did you manage that? Um, so 
initially we were working like a normal job mm. um, 20, earning 26k this was at Warner Music and before we used to work in advertising as well mm. um, and then yeah we were saving like for maybe three years before that just mm-hmm. on the, on those wages and that wasn't really um, we, were, we were saving good but it wasn't really enough to like buy a house obviously um, and then we lost our jobs because like the place just didn't work out for us. Oh it's not like God. we got fired. We didn't get fired. But the place just um, went and then we had to just figure out what we we're going to do next. We decided to start freelancing mm. and then us doing that together was enough to like double our earnings individually wow. and mm-hmm. then mm. yeah, the joint earnings was enough for us to get a big mortgage. Mm. For us that going freelance was like a massive shock because we didn't expect to be earning that much money. Mm. And we had constant like day on day uh, work. So we were saving huge chunks of money that we were like not used to and just putting it all in savings. Mm. Um, And then we reached summer, the summer before we got the house. And we were in this sort of position where even then we still couldn't afford to get a house on our own. So we started talking about like, okay, maybe maybe we put our money together and could get a place together. Oh, oh. okay. How'd you guys meet? We went to uni together. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So in advertising, you're you partner up as like a duo. So there's a copywriter and an oh. art director. Yeah. So who's who's, who's who? the director? Yeah. Art director is Cullen. Copywriter Technically. is Technically. We, yeah, we do a bit we, of both. Yeah. Okay. So it's just like a technical technical term. Art director, like they do the images and art okay. stuff but the copywriter just writes okay. the mm-hmm. the copy and writes mm-hmm. the yeah stuff okay, cool. was the plan initially that you'd buy houses separately was that the plan like were you guys just talking to each other and say okay i'm thinking about buying a place i'm thinking about buying a place as well or was the intention always that we would do this together as a duo yeah it was quite sudden us doing it we'd both been talking about getting a house yeah um I wanted to stop renting because I've been renting for like five years Mm. and you wanted to move out, didn't you? Yeah. But initially I was thinking of possibly getting a place with my mum or something within my family. Okay. So how did that conversation go then? If like you were, that was potentially a discussion and then mm. to turn around and say, oh, doing I'm doing my, bye mum. Like, <laughs> you just didn't tell her. <laughs> like, I told her like, mum, think about getting a house with blah, blah. And she's like, at first I think she, she was like, nah, there's no way that would happen. But she was open to her. Like, oh, cool. Oh. I was like, all right. Um, peace. <laughs> <laughs> So how did you know to trust each other to buy a house? Like, mm. did you check each other's like credit scores, or yeah. how did that go about? We knew exactly what each of us were earning because we earned the same. But <laughs> then we started okay. talking about our savings, which we yeah. hadn't talked about before. Like, mm. how much have you got? Because like, I was renting, <laughs> he was living at home, yeah. and he would never talk to me about his money. Oh, I'd just wow. say, how much have you got? And he was like, I've got a lot of shoes. You <laughs> <laughs> would just call his savings or his shoes. <laughs> Because I was like, I'm broke. <laughs> so, so I guess like my, my question to you guys is like, um, in a friendship, how do you make that conversation about talking about money less awkward? Mm. Like who initiated the conversation and like how did it, how did, because I can see like you guys are very transparent about costs and like savings and everything. How, how did you get to this place? Like there were many steps. Initially it was like me and my mum and then I was like, no, actually let's do it together. Mm. And then 
But then there was also a stage where we're possibly thinking about doing it with someone else, as in a three. Right, okay. Oh, okay. And then like, what happened to the third? Um, yeah. We decided that it just wouldn't work out. Oh, okay. What, they, were the fans not up to scratch or? No, no, no they might be listening. But I think once we once we decided that we were definitely going to do it, both of us, then everything from then just came easy because. We just wanted it to be as smooth yeah. as possible. So, and I think for other people, it's just a case of like you know the people who you can do it with. True. You've got to be a certain closeness to them in general, mm. um, and then you've just got to be transparent. Then you've got to know that your goals are aligned. So talking like that before you talk about money mm. to know how serious they are. Like money can be the last part of the conversation. Mm. Um, it was really mm. simple for us because we just were like fifty-fifty split, if not. You know, oh. but for other people, there's different elements. So just making yeah. sure you completely are transparent about it is is key. Mm. Okay, and so of course, parts of the reason why you've gone viral is because of all the renovations that. You've and had. like how much KFC they all use the as well. And the KFC. <laughs> 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 yeah. Was that the most you've eaten in one sitting so far? <laughs> Was it, I think I saw 100 chicken nuggets. Was it 300 chicken nuggets? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, what was it? It's uh, getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's an old tradition that we used to do. Every time we celebrate something, we would have a, a KFC and then like a family bucket and it just got bigger and bigger. And then when everything happened with TikTok, we were like 100 KFC. So we got loads again. And then this time we, we overdid it. We, oh we got too much. God. And like I, I caved. This guy just kept going. And then yeah. I don't think we'll do it again now. No. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can't even look at KFC at the moment. It's like all that money that you're saving, not buying designer clothes, you're spending on KFC. Oh my gosh. Okay, so half of the reason why you've gone viral is because of your KFC. And then the other half is because of all the trials and tribulations that you've gone through yeah. um, with doing up your, your house. Um, but the thing is, when you do it yourself, you tend to save a lot of money. So tell me a bit about the financial aspects of it. So how much would you have spent mm. if you got builders in? And how much have you done yourself? And how much have you saved by doing it yourself as well? Wow. Mm. So from a money point of view, we've spent so far in the house. And bearing in mind, we've stripped like everything back mm. and pretty much done everything around £30,000. Oh, okay. And it oh, would have okay. probably cost more in the region of close to £100,000. Um, that's crazy yeah it, it, it's been mad but it's like every job that we did was expected to cost like in excess of five grand or three grand mm. and then we would do it for like a couple hundred pounds and it made such a big difference so yeah. something as simple as like mm. damp in the walls we had a rising damp um, and they were quoting us six and a half grand I think what? to chip off the plaster mm. drill holes into the wall and then inject this stuff we saw this stuff online which works really well, really well reviewed, where you just drill the holes yourself and you put in like these little tubes into the okay. wall. And like okay. that's that was it. That's all it cost. How many times did you watch those videos before you actually did it? Because I'm just to say, um, don't try this at home, guys. Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. <laughs> don't try this. If you watch our TikToks, you know, don't try this at home. Don't try this at home. <laughs> so when you say watch videos, it's all about YouTube videos. Yeah. So you yeah. did yeah. all your house. From Based YouTube. on watching everything on YouTube. Yeah. Pretty much, like, the majority of it. Oh, wow. I, I guess the, the only thing I was going to say, like, um, are there any particular renovation parts of the house 
based on the fact that you've done it yourself and it's quite a big markup so like for example i'm just trying to think like painting a wall for example it's quite a, an easy job to do mm. and like i think what's the i'm not sure what the going cost for someone painting what i think that's 250 pounds yeah and you think to yourself i could easily do that myself do that oh. yourself are there particular jobs that um people should try doing more themselves as opposed to painting. getting someone else or paying someone else are there particular jobs that stand out to you guys mm. i'd say you go first i'm gonna say thailand Really? I think oh, Thailand is rising. is doable. Oh. Do you agree? Yeah. I, I was going to say the same. I think bathrooms yeah. in general um, are actually, it wasn't that difficult. It was fairly simple. Don't get me wrong, we messed that up a lot. We did it twice. We tiled on top of the tile. falling off the wall. But we did it. Like That's the main thing. And knowing what we did, we knew we could have done it without any mistakes if we just... Did some other checks beforehand and that's like as well. Quite a big mm. thing, markup that helped because we did the whole bathroom ourselves, and it was still expensive. But compared to what it would have cost to have mm. somebody come and do it, it, was like massively different. Mm. Like how much were they quoting you? Uh, I think there was it was that one was over ten grand for what they were doing. Do you want bathroom? Yeah, yeah, bathrooms are expensive because um, when you look at a property, it could be correct me if I'm wrong, but. The two places that can add a lot of value to a property mm. is the kitchen and the bathroom. And the bathroom. Mm. Yeah, mm. So the fact you're saying you can do a bath, that's quite interesting. And how much did you guys roughly spend to do? I think around 4,000, but that included partly building an extension. Oh. So it was like, it was just an outside toilet. We turned it into a, a full bathroom nice. and nice. put the roof up and stuff like that. But mm. Okay. Well, um, we're going to get into the dilemma section. So some of our community members have sent in anonymous voice notes of their property dilemmas. Obviously, you know, this um, is a, this podcast is a safe space yep. mm -hmm. you know, where you can share your stories. You can be vulnerable and just let you know, speak your truth. But obviously, just remember when you're listening to these dilemmas, everyone's situation is different. So please don't take this as like financial or property advice. OK, so we're just going to play um, the first dilemma. Hey, Money Medics, I'm buying a house with some friends and I was wondering, how should we go about sharing the equity? So, me, my girlfriend and a close friend of mine are in the process of buying a house with the aim of selling it on in a few years' time. And we're a bit unsure on the best way to split the proceeds from the sale. And the house we're buying is in London, it's about 450000 See, my friend is investing 80000 into the initial deposit fees and renovations, whilst my girlfriend and I are investing 20000 Um. My friend won't be living in the house, but I'll be living in it with my girlfriend and paying the full mortgage. We're all first-time buyers and kind of new to this. Does this sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> Very similar to us. Same price of house as ours. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, Colin? I think it's an interesting one because what we did was really simple. It was 50-50 everything. Mm. Um, and we made sure we did that just because of how much easier it made mm. uh, our lives, especially as first time buyers. I think in their situation, that would scare me a little bit because there's so many different factors, but it's definitely something you can do. Mm. Um, I just think it helps to keep it as simple as possible and take out as many variables. Mm. And if it does get complicated, you need to make sure you have, you're completely agreed with each other. So, like, you know exactly what happened if the price went up, price went down, and what happens at the end of that three-year period. Mm. And even go as far as to put things in paper and, like, mm. get people involved to make it 
like binding because it can get confusing if you're like, well, you paid the mortgage, mm. and you're, you're losing a certain amount of money on that, but you're living there. Mm. So many factors there. Mm. I think um, the, the main thing to be aware about is that when you are buying a property, there are, there are generally like two ways of doing it. So you've got like the like joint ownership and then tenancy. Uh, joint tenancies yeah. and then there's tenancy in common Comments. how did you guys sort it out between yourselves what, what did you what did you both do we did we chose the wrong one <laughs> <laughs> we did yeah. joint tenancy uh, <laughs> we haven't written a will yet so <laughs> that's another mistake prepared to see on on bricks and sort of but yeah the reason why we did that at the time was because like this was just before the pandemic was like taken hold for the first time. Sorry, do you mind just explaining what the joint tenancy is and what it oh, means? Okay. Joint tenancy just means that both of us own 100% of the house together. Okay. Um, so if something happened to me, Cullen gets 100% of the house. If something oh. happened to Cullen, I get 100% of the house. But the other one, um, tenants in common is 50-50 um, if that's the way you sp decide to split it. Okay. okay. And you're both separately own the house, so you mm. can plan where it would go without having to set a will mm. and things. Um. Okay. So why did you choose to do it in like, um, like that? <laughs> yeah, because when we were in the process of buying the house, we knew that we had to, we'd have to write a will before mm. we'd progress to the next stage if we did um joint um, if we did tenants in common. No. no Wait, go on. Sorry. Yeah, if we did tenants in common then we'd have to write a will, which is something that we didn't know the time frame that that would take, especially since everything oh. was closing down. Oh. So like just go with that one because it just seemed like yeah. a faster process. Basically time. It felt faster. I don't know if it actually is, mm. but we were just stressed. We were like, oh, we only got like a couple of days before everything gets locked down. Right. Let's just go for it. Um, okay, I see, I see, I see. And do you guys have in place any like written agreements? Um, I've written my own personal will. <laughs> I haven't got to write anything. <laughs> I'm also yet to see this will. I shared it with you on Google Docs. <laughs> You could just like drop something. I'll become a lot richer. <laughs> no, I think I think it's um, it's important, uh, especially uh, that relationship dynamic. Mm. Um, like sometimes I, I know when you get married, there are certain things recognised by the law, mm. and people think when they're boyfriend and girlfriend. There's no protection, but there actually there's actually something called a, a cohabitation agreement, which can actually outline quite clearly in a very succinct form uh, what belongs to you and what belongs to the other person. So, mm -hmm. I would say do bear that in mind um, as you're you're doing with your girlfriend, but also um, you're, you have an express legal agreement with the person you're you're buying the property with. Mm. That's, that's helpful we should probably do that we should take that advice I think the only other main thing to touch on is contacting uh, a solicitor mm. or uh, or speak depending on where the funds are coming from um, because it's quite a large amount of money uh, like 80 80 grand oh. that a friend is investing mm. so yeah. depending on how they're doing it so speak to an, account, an accountant um, so it's very clear where the source of funds are because you don't want to just give someone money and then um, there, there isn't any hopefully there isn't any disputes but you want to be able to clearly demonstrate to the lender um, this is where the money is, is coming from mm. have you guys decide, decided um, what you like 
will you ever pull out equity? Because uh, I'm, I'm assuming now you, you bought the place for 450,000, your mm. place, which is very similar to the dilemma now. Do you, have you guys had it revalued recently? Uh, yeah, from an estate agent. So obviously it's not like official numbers, but mm. it's it was quite exciting. We got that number through, we were like, yeah! <laughs> would, you, would you care to share? Yeah, I think, was it 650? Wow. Yeah, and that wow. was when it wasn't finished. Yeah. Right? And wow. he said once it was finished to the same standard, around 750. Um, we were quite yeah. lucky with our area in London. It hasn't, it's gone up in value quite a lot as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Yes, that that was yeah. a, an exciting figure. Wow. Um, but so yeah. that's like two hundred k in just a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's literally getting rich overnight. I know. <laughs> well, I don't know. They've they've gone for a lot. So yeah. 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 You deserve it. Have more of my life expectancy. <laughs> than I, I would take that. <laughs> oh. oh gosh. Should we, on Should to we go to the next, next, yeah. next one? Yeah, let's into the next. So one. let's play the next dilemma, and I'm sure again you guys can probably relate to this a lot. Hey, money medics. I'm currently looking to buy my first place, but I wanted to find out if renovating an old house is worth it. I saw a house from the 50s to 60s that has a lot of potential. I like the location and it has a nice back and front garden, but it hasn't been updated since it was built, so it needs a full renovation. From the get-go, we know that we would have to put in a new boiler, a new electric circuit board, and all the pipes are exposed, so it would need full plumbing work as well. It has old floorboards upstairs that my boyfriend is really worried about, but I don't think it would be something too hard to fix. The plan would be to do what we can do now and then later do an extension and add value. We're first-time buyers and we don't have any experience with renovations and I imagine all of this would cost a lot, but I don't know exact figures so I'm afraid we might be biting off more than we can chew. What do you think? Are there any problems that we can expect from a 50s to 60s UK house? Do you think it would be a good investment? Yeah, that one, that one sits in. Yeah, <laughs> we were asking this question a couple of years ago. Um, so, I guess first question is, did you like? like what, what do you guys think? Is it is it is it always worth um, renovating an old house? I think that just purely depends on the house. It depends on so many factors. Mm. Like, um, for us, first of all, is like the location. Mm. And the value, the actual value of the house, in accordance to like the other houses on the street, mm. oh, okay. as well. Like if if it might be undervalued on the street, and if seen where you can actually bring value to the house, mm. and then of course the surveys, seeing like how much those would cost for individual mm. parts of of the house, and knowing that cost, and then making the decision whether it's worth it in in putting that money in. Mm. Um, so, is there a way to actually calculate? Um, like an estimation of how much you're going to spend on renovations mm. and determine whether or not it is actually worth it. Do you have like a rule of thumb or like a, a yeah, a way to calculate that? Mm. We massively underestimated how much it would cost. Oh, really? Um, we've, we've failed with every single estimation with yeah. us. But that's because you can't um, factor in certain things, like mm. there's certain things that a survey won't bring up. But mm. the sort of rules that we followed were to take what they said in the survey, because sometimes you can get a valuation with that as well, and they'll tell you how much the works should cost. Okay. When you say survey, is this like a, what kind of survey is it? A home buyer survey is the one we got. Okay. But you can get even more intensive ones than that. So it depends on how much work the place needs. Mm. You'd probably go for the most in-depth. 
just to clarify, are you referring to the survey that you get when you're about to buy a house and then yeah. you have the surveyors come and um, value the house and check to see if there's any thing okay. unusual or the asbestos mm, things like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Asbestos-y. Yeah, um, so stuff like that. But yeah, that would mean like paying before you actually buy the house or commit to pay- paying to buy the house. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, yeah you'd possibly losing money if you decide not to yeah. um, fully invest in the house. Another way to do it though is you can ask a trade person to go look at the house. Ask a child. Um, okay. We had a a builder come and look at the house who basically said, don't get this house. <laughs> really? Oh. This, this is too expensive. And we were like, um, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <Can> listen. <laughs> But, was this know, before you had bought the house? Before we yeah. oh, really? so were Yeah, we'd already like pay for the survey. We were like, oh, but you know, Corona's coming. We might not be able to find another place. And there was mm. lots of factors. So we just kind of were like, we'll wing it. We'll take whatever it How is on the chin. How much was the survey? Um, Around, I think it was 800 pounds. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah, you can get it cheaper, but I think you can get between 400 and 800 for our home buyers. But yeah, we also had a damp survey as well. Oh, wow. they um, paid for that. That was yeah, already yeah, there true. in the house because yeah. it was like quite bad damp. Mm. Oh, God. Um, mm. It's a disaster. I know. I was going to say, so you had damp survey, builders, uh, home buyer survey. All of them mm. were telling you not to buy it, but you bought it anyway. <laughs> yeah. 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 For, for more than asking. <laughs> <laughs> How much was the asking price? Sorry. Uh, 425 to, four, uh, to 450. Mm. Then oh. we offered 460. Um, but then once we realized there was some more problems with it, we, we negotiated oh, the price mm, down. I see. So, so in, in like, in kind of going back to the dilemma a little bit, is there complete, like based on what they've said, it's in terms of like, this is like squeaky floorboard. Are there complete no, no's when it comes to, um, like, this is just not worth your while. You're just going to like hemorrhage and spend so much money. Are there complete no, no's when it comes yeah. to renovation? Yeah, I'd say dry rot. It's like a massive one oh, that scared us. That so I don't know it specifically, but if you search it, it's scary enough. But it's basically <laughs> like the wooden beams or the wooden floors can get rot. And there's like two different types. One that's easy to fix mm-hmm. and the other that is like almost contagious. So it can it will just keep spreading mm. and keep causing a lot of problems. Mm. Um, and we were warned about that the builder came in to check for that, mm. said that it wasn't there, but that was actually wrong. So mm. a sign of that is spongy floors, mm. right? And then we pulled it up and then we had that. So that was a massive dent for us that mm. cost quite a lot of money. Mm. We still did it ourselves, but it still cost a lot of money and you have to be so careful. And that's something that I would be like, that's a big problem. You know, mm. that's, that's almost structural. Yeah. Mm. But the other problems that they mentioned, like plumbing and mm. electrics, that's stuff that you'd need um professionals to do most mm. likely the electric electrics for sure mm. but plumbing you could maybe go away with but in most cases it's better to get yeah a mm. professional and all that you can it. get quotes for as well or work out the average in your area for prices and okay. mm. so you can start to measure a little bit yeah. um and they will add value as well mm. yeah with old houses in general you probably need like an emergency fund anyway because you never know what's going to come up if you're buying a house in the 50s and 60s like ours was built in built 150 years ago or wherever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you need emergency funds because once you start finding one problem, it just unearths other problems mm-hmm. underneath it too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's something to factor as well. 
How much do you need an emergency emergency fund? fund. Say six months for like covering your cost of living. Mm. But then I would say on top of that, for the renovation costs, because we reached a point where we had a mortgage holiday and we were getting a little bit of furlough money. And every time that came in, we were immediately having to spend it on the house because Mm. we were a bit stuck. Mm. So you don't want to be in that position. You want to have like at least six months living costs. And then I would say like five grand on top Mm. just to protect yourself in those older houses where you don't know what to expect. Mm. That makes sense. And I guess hot off the press, um, I'm sure like everyone's aware there's this really, really big agenda to to make things more green. So I think it's, I think it's, I believe it's by 2035, they don't want anyone to have gas boilers. They want it to be uh, electric and et cetera. So if you are currently planning to do a fixer upper, do factor that in if you're buying a brand new gas boiler and then only in a few years time, you'll, mm-hmm. uh, you may have to have it removed, etc. I literally bought a gas boiler like last year. Oh, sorry. sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, those are all our dilemmas and let's 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 get a bit controversial okay <laughs> so we're going to be getting into some unpopular opinions these might be triggering guys but um so the, <laughs> so the unpopular opinion is buying a second home should be illegal oh what do you think of what do you guys think <sighs> what do you think i disagree <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, damn. <laughs> Don't cancel me off. <laughs> because like, I think, Not I think there, there are certain rules in yeah. place to stop people from like buying so many houses, right? Like mm-hmm. in certain areas, you can't um, stop people from buying too many buy-to-lets. Yeah. I think there are rules in place to stop. Um, um, but at the same time, there are some people that can take advantage of that. And yeah, there are some in some places, people find that, um, yeah, it's not fair to accumulate wealth that way. Mm. Um, from my perspective, I feel like wealth should be attainable for anyone. Mm. And um, as long as you're fair with it mm. and um, on like a larger scale of like buying lots of houses and buy to lets, I think it's just so important that you take care of the people that you're yeah. managing mm, or definitely. like you're... Mm given those houses too. I think that's the most important thing. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's it's obvious that there's a problem because there's communities that are getting like, they can't afford to buy houses in their own area because landlords are coming in and buying it and then turn it into rent. So mm. you can definitely see that there's a problem there. Yeah. I just don't know if the answer is to ban second homes because, mm. you know, there's, there's a whole gauge of the problem and there's a middle ground and mm. there's a way you can work together. Mm. Because landlords are useful, um, yeah, especially yeah. when they're good landlords. Mm. And I think there should be more emphasis on having good landlords that are a benefit to the community rather than people who just buy out cheap houses all around the country, mm. um, pay the bare minimum, do the least possible for their tenants just to make money. Mm. I think it should be more, you know, you're working as a team mm. of tenants mm. and landlords. Yeah. Very altruistic. Mm. Yeah. What, what do you guys think? 
Yeah, I mean, I have to agree because I'm a landlady, so. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you don't want your tenant seeing this and saying, I'm moving out. No, I mean, but I feel I feel like I'm a, I'm a really good landlady, as sure. in... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I <laughs> No, I, I feel like I am because um, I'm conscious of even little things like um, how much they pay for rent. I haven't increased my prices, oh. even though I know the area is doing really, really well because I mm. value the fact that they're really, really good tenants mm. more than the amount that I would gain from them. Oh. So, um, yeah, I think I'm a, I'm a good landlord. What about you, Nick? What do you think? Uh, no, I was just going to say that I just think they may be a place to kind of implement a certain number. Mm. And if individuals want to go beyond that certain number, there must be an overall public benefit mm. for you to pass that number. Mm. So, so that would be my, my thought process. Mm. Um, but overall, I, I hope everyone has uh, enjoyed the episode. I think um, the main thing is that um, we, why we wanted to kind of bring you guys on is that we bought our places a very, very long time ago. And I don't think it's right for us to say that the same school of thought mm. still applies today. Things are yeah. becoming more difficult yeah. or more expensive. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you guys do demonstrate that there are ways of going about it, whether it's going freelance, uh, buying a friend. I know people, when people look at our generation, we're not really known as a DIY generation, but you guys, it is possible, but just be careful on the YouTube videos, you, you do watch. <laughs> um, yeah, any last final remarks to like uh, any first time buyers, is just, just guidance or any you can give guys? I would say don't rush. Like we rushed a little bit. Mm. Um, you don't, there's nothing technically wrong with renting and preparing and waiting that little bit longer before you buy, um, just so that you're ready, you know, and you can do research. And, and also when you're in the situation, we found it that it's okay to like take your time. We tried to do everything at once, mm. um, but it would have helped if we made a plan and did it properly rather than winging it. Mm. Mm. Um. Yeah, I'd also say, like, for people that are living at home, stay living at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't, don't feel the pressure to, like, go out if you, if you don't need to. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, don't feel pressure when you see other people that are actually buying houses yeah. um, at your, your age and you say, oh, damn, that should be me. Mm. Just know that it happens in, in the right time. Just, mm. like, keep your plan and whatever's feasible for you and mm. it'll just happen. Yeah when it does yeah. thank you guys uh, you've just listened to another episode of really? Your Real Money Stories mm -hmm. uh, if you have any more dilemmas uh, please do uh, either slide into our DMs or um, or just uh, just contact us yeah. on Instagram or any other social media platform bye bye guys bye <laughs> you've just listened to an episode of Your Real Money Stories an original podcast brought to you in association with Zopa. Who provide great value financial products and tools to make managing your money a lot easier. So make sure you subscribe and share with your friends who you think might have related to the episode. For more information and resources around the themes discussed in this episode, head over to zopa.com forward slash podcast. And of course, if you want to be on the next episode, make sure you slide into our DMs at Money Medics on Instagram.